Hey, this is Pastor Matt Zola from Fern Creek Christian Church. So glad you're able to tune in with us today. Hey, while you're on your phone, why don't you follow us on social media at Fern Creek CC on Facebook and Instagram and download the Fern Creek Christian Church app today because we want to stay connected with you throughout your week. We hope this message encourages you to become a better follower of Jesus. So without further ado, here's the message. Well, good morning, church. Hey, hope you guys are having a great Sunday. Hey, if you're online with us, welcome. If you're in person, welcome. Uh, if you're new around here, I uh, don't know who I am. My name is Matthew Seja. I am the student pastor around here, um, which means I get to hang out with our, our sixth through 12th graders, our middle school and high school students that are hanging out in our community room uh, during this hour, um, and absolutely have the blessing of doing that over uh, the last five years. Um, and it's so good to just be at Fern Creek and be with you guys uh, serving. And, um, you know, I've, I've learned so many things in ministry over the last five years and just count it such a huge blessing. Uh, in my life for my time here uh, at Fern Creek. Um, I believe in ministry, especially with middle school and high school students, you will learn a lot of things uh, spending any time with uh, middle school and high school students. Um, One of the most important things that I've learned in my time in ministry with middle school and high school students is that middle school and high school students sometimes do the unexpected, right? Sometimes they just do the craziest, most unexplained, unexpected things sometimes. And, and as a grandparent or a parent of a, of a current or recent past middle school or high school student, you understand that sometimes they do the unexpected, right? Sometimes in life, we do the unexpected. Sometimes our kids do the unexpected. Uh, life just brings the unexpected all the times, right? Almost to the point that we expect the unexpected in life. Life just throws the unexpected as so much. Maybe for you, you've experienced the unexpected in your family. Maybe for you, you've experienced it by having a kid um, unexpectedly, or or maybe you've had a kid and you've told your spouse, hey, I want to try for one more kid. I want to have two kids, right? Uh, You already have a kid and you want to have try for another. Uh, And you go to your doctor's appointment to see what the gender of the baby is, and your worst nightmare becomes a reality when the doctor says it's twins right? The unexpected happens all the time. Don't worry, twins are great, I promise. Um, The unexpected happens all the time in life, almost to the point that we expect it. One of the things I love about scripture is seeing God do the unexpected through unexpected people all the time. All throughout scripture, we can see this. I think about the story of Mary and how he sends Jesus in doing the unexpected through Mary's life. Like nobody expected that the savior of the world to come to Mary, come, come through a virgin, right? Uh, nobody expected David to defeat Goliath. Nobody expected God to take a shepherd boy and make him king, right? If you look through scripture, you can see God doing the unexpected all the time. Today, I want to share a story with you, a story of Moses, We've all heard the story of Moses, but I want to come from a little bit of a different angle on Moses' life for you and really share how God does the unexpected in Moses' life. Last week, Craig opened our God's Incredible series up, and today I want to introduce you to our second incredible into the life of Moses and really how God does the unexpected. And what we're doing in this series is really taking characters in Scripture and showing how God does the extraordinary 
right? And so today I want to show you how God does the extraordinary through Moses' life by doing the unexpected. And Moses' story really illustrates to me how God does the unexpected through unexpected people. And if you've grown up in church or gone to any VBS or spent any kind of time in church, you've heard of Moses. You heard of, of a character of Moses always yelling, let my people go, right? This is not an unfamiliar character, but for most of us, a familiar character. But maybe we don't understand his story all the way. And so I want to share that with you a little bit today. When you come to the birth of Moses, we're getting to the book of Exodus. It's the second book in the Bible. And at this time, all the creation story uh, of, of Genesis has happened. And, and what's really pivotal about knowing from Genesis into Exodus is the story of Joseph and Jacob, right? It's kind of a long story and I would encourage you to go back and look at it. But at this point, when we get to Exodus, Joseph and Jacob have found their way to lead their family into Egypt. And there, there's this big story of how Joseph interprets these dreams and becomes favored by the king of Egypt because he saves his family. He saves a lot of Egyptians' lives at the time. So they invite the Israelites, Jacob and Joseph's family, to come live in Egypt and enjoy the, the wealth that Egypt has at that time. So Joseph, is in a, his family's in a foreign land. And at the time, they're, they're highly favored by the king. And so they're in a good spot. But as the story of Exodus comes about, we know that the Israelites end up becoming slaves. And so how that happens is that about 400 years past, Jacob and Joseph have passed away. And the story, the book of Exodus, starts and there's a new Pharaoh in town. So Jacob and Joseph are nowhere to be found. The old Pharaoh that knew of Joseph and loved Joseph is nowhere to be found. And there's a new Pharaoh in town, right? And scripture says when this, to this new king that, that Joseph meant nothing to this new king. And this is really where the tide starts to change for the Israelites. Because what scripture says about the Israelites in Egypt at this time of this new Pharaoh is that God had continued to bless the Israelites. He had continued to do that through their numbers where scripture says that the land was filled, that they were so numerous that the land was filled with them, was filled with the Israelites. And so this is what really starts the Israelites on this path of slavery. And what happens is, is to this new king, he, he doesn't care about Joseph. He doesn't care about the Israelites. He's frightened by the Israelites and the number of them, fearing that those Israelites would join up with another rival country or that they themselves would just overtake the Egyptian country, right? And so what happens is we see the birth of Moses here, but right before the birth of Moses, we see out of the fear of this Egyptian ruler is that he wants to make this decree to try to limit the number of Israelites. And he says it here in Exodus 1, like this. It says, then the Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. So Pharaoh, this new Pharaoh makes this decree to try to limit the growth of the Israelites. And then you jump down to Exodus 2 and you see the birth of Moses. It says this, now a man of the tribe of Levite married a Levite woman and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was 
a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a basket for him and coated it in tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the river bank. She saw the basket among the reeds, and she sent her female slave to go get it. She opened it up and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. She said, this is one of the Hebrew babies. So this new pharaoh, this new king makes this decree to try to limit the growth of the Israelites to say, hey, take all the Hebrew boys and throw them in the Nile. Moses' mom gets pregnant, and at the time she tries to hide him for three months, but knowing that it's difficult to hide an infant, she decides to get a basket. She puts Moses in this basket, and she puts him in the Nile River, hoping and praying that Maybe he'll end up in a better place. Maybe he'll survive this terrible land, this terrible decree that is going on. And what happens is that Pharaoh's daughter is, is going down to bathe, and she finds Moses, and she picks him up, and essentially she's going to adopt Moses. And so knowing for us kind of how the story unfolds, that, that Moses is going to be the guy that God calls to free the Israelites out of Egypt, God is working out Moses' story a little bit differently than what we expect. God's working out from Moses' birth, his story a little bit different than maybe you or I would have done it. And so at this point, we start to ask the question, like, how is God going to use Moses? How is Moses going to be the guy to grow up and free these Israelites if he's sitting in a basket in the Nile River? And even more, the question that pops into my mind is, God, what are, we, what are we doing here allowing Moses to be adopted by the daughter of the guy that's trying to kill all these Hebrew babies, right? Like, why is this happening? Like, how, how is this going to happen? And you see, God is working in Moses' story. He's doing the unexpected. You see, from the beginning of Moses' birth, his, his life is in jeopardy. And it's unexpected things are happening. Shaky things are happening. And, and God is doing on the, the unexpected, right? And I believe at this point in Moses' story, Moses has found himself in an unexpected place in an unexpected way, right? And maybe for you, you can relate to Moses' story. That you have found yourself in an unexpected place in an unexpected way, Right? Maybe for you, you've, you've found yourself like, this wasn't really the plan that I had laid out in my life. This isn't really the career path that I've taken or, or my career really hasn't taken off the way that I'd planned. This, this is not going according to plan. Or maybe for you, your, your marriage is not the dream marriage that you had thought it would be, or it's not up to par as, as, as what you would wish, right? Maybe you've found yourself in unexpected places and unexpected ways in your life, and you have started to question, can God use me? Is this where I'm supposed to be? Are you even questioning, like, how did I even get here? I want to assure you that God's got you right where he wants you. He's going to use you exactly where he has you. Because if you look at the story of Moses, I promise you, I assure you that the story of Moses, like Moses and his family did not intend, like their plan was not, let's be in Egypt when they're trying to kill all these Hebrew babies, right? 
So look at the story of Moses and understand that no, they did not plan to be where they were, to be in the circumstances that they were, but God was working. Even when they didn't feel it, even when they didn't see it, God was working. And I believe that's something that we can see in our lives. You may find yourself in an unexpected place in an unexpected way and doubt God's faithfulness and the fact that whether or not God can use you and if he has you where he needs you, but understand God is working. Moses' life is in jeopardy from the very beginning of his life. From, from his birth, he is in a dangerous place. And we start to ask the question, how is God going to use Moses to free the Israelites when he is now a part of the royal family that are putting the Israelites through this? See, once again, God is going to do this by doing the unexpected. Look at Acts 7, 22 with me. It says, Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and in action. You see, in Moses' life, when he is adopted by the Pharaoh's daughter, Moses gets some things added to his life that he normally wouldn't have. As, as, as perks added to his life, Moses gets some things, gets some access to things that he normally wouldn't as just a fellow Israelite. And one of those things that, that Moses would have had access to is this education system in Egypt, right? And so we can kind of see what God's doing here is that, that God is, is training up Moses, is, is teaching Moses all the ways that the Egyptians live, all the way the Egyptians thought and acted, right? And so Moses has this perk added to his life. And if you look at Acts 7 and throughout all of Moses' story, you can kind of see three segments, three chunks of Moses' life. They're kind of broken down into 40-year segments. And what I love, love about Moses' story is the fact of what God does in each 40-year segment. What God does in each 40-year segment, there's three of them, is he is preparing and he is teaching Moses in each of those sections of Scripture, each of those sections of his life, to prepare him, to teach him for what he needs him to be, his leader for his people later on. And so in this first section of his 40 years of his life, you can see that God is training him up. God is teaching him all about this Egyptian culture, right? And so you can kind of see a path here, right? Um, as the reader, I kind of say, oh, I see what God's doing here. He's training up Moses to learn all the ways of the Egyptians, their culture, so that he can navigate his way through to take down the Egyptians and free God's people, right? No, like this could actually work. God, like, I see what you're doing here. Like you're, you're going to do this and like you're going to destroy it from within. Like, oh, this is kind of genius. Like God is going to Trojan horse the Egyptians, right? But to quote my good friend Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. Um, the unexpected happens again in Moses' life. Look at Exodus 2 with me. It says, one day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were, watched them hard at their labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that, seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The unexpected happens in Moses' story again. So at this point, Moses has grown up. 
somehow it doesn't tell us, but Moses finds out that he is a Hebrew boy, but being raised like an Egyptian. So Moses is out in the field and he sees some of his fellow brothers being treated harshly by the Egyptian slave owners. And so anger fills Moses, seeing his brothers being treated like this, and he kills this Egyptian. And when Pharaoh finds out about what Moses has done, Moses flees because his life is in danger. Pharaoh tries to have him killed, and he goes to a place called Midian. In Acts 7.25, it has this encounter like this. It puts it like this. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. See, Moses is kind of in a really weird situation here. Moses is a Hebrew boy, but he is being raised like an Egyptian. So you can only imagine the tension that is going on between Moses and fellow Israelites at that time. He has access to education. He has access to the palace. Like he's being raised like an Egyptian, but is an Israelite. And so you can only imagine what's going through Moses' head at this time. Now, because of what Moses did, he finds himself in a place called Midian that's hundreds of miles away from God's people, away from his family, away from the nice palace. Here's kind of a map to really show you exactly how far away Moses was, right? So Moses, once back in Egypt, labeled as educated, powerful, is now hundreds of miles away from his people, now labeled as a fugitive, a murderer, right? Moses, I imagine at this time, finds himself what we would describe as rock bottom. I imagine that's what Moses felt in this time, that, that he finds himself in rock bottom. He's away from his family, away from every resource back at the palace and in the desert, having to deal with the mental battle, the guilt of taking a man's life. I imagine lots of questions, lots of thoughts started to come to Moses' mind at this time just like we do. Like, how did I get here? This wasn't the plan here, God. Like, how did I get here? I wasn't supposed to go through this and kill a man and end up in the desert, right? And at this time, Moses, I'm sure, is asking, can God even use me going forward? Is there any way that God can use me now that I've taken a man's life, now that I've done what I've done, right? How's God gonna use me now? Maybe for you, you feel like Moses, or maybe you've felt like Moses before. Maybe you feel like you've hit rock bottom. Maybe you've done some things in your life that you're just not proud of, that has led to what Moses has, which is a dry season. Maybe you feel like you're facing things that you can't face anymore. Asking the question, how did I get here? Can God even use me anymore? There's no way God can use a messed up person like me anymore, right? I want you to look at the story of Moses and I want you to see where Moses is and understand that even at rock bottom, even at his worst is the time that God calls Moses. 
right? Here in a second, we'll see how God calls Moses. And, and yes, there are consequences to the things that Moses done. And part of those consequences is he's going to spend 40 years in the desert before God calls him. But God remains faithful to Moses and he makes sure Moses understands, I'm not done with you. This is just for a season. God is in the business of doing the unexpected. When we expect God is done with Moses because of what he, does, what he did, he does the unexpected again in Exodus 3, and he calls Moses to free his people. It says this, When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt. Down in verse 10, it says, Now go, for I am sending you, Moses, to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. And so you see, after the 40 years in the desert, Moses is called by God. God goes to Moses and says, I want you to be my leader, to free my people out of Egypt. And as most of us know, how the story goes is that God comes to Moses. He talks to him through a burning bush, calling him to go back to Egypt, telling Pharaoh, you need to let God's people go. And as we know how the story goes is that he goes back to Egypt. He tells Moses this. Moses tells Pharaoh this, and Pharaoh kind of laughs at him. And not only does he laugh at him, but he's kind of offended. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. And not only am I not going to let God's people go, but I'm going to start to treat them even more harshly. And so what God does is he starts to send some harsh destruction on the land of Egypt to try to get his message across to Pharaoh. And what happens is is God is going to end up sending about 10 waves of destruction over the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh eventually, after the 10th wave gets what's happening that the reason the israelites are there is the reason that this destruction is happening and so eventually he gets it and eventually he lets the israelites go he lets them go and just shortly after letting them go he regrets it he had this control of these people and he had this this wave of destruction over him that forces him to let go and he starts to to regret it so what he does is he sends his army after the Israelites. And when he sends his army after the Israelites, you get to the famous story of the Red Sea with, with Moses and with God. And as we know how the story goes is the, the Israelites cross the Red Sea after Moses and God part the Red Sea, they're able to walk across safely. And at that time, the whole Egyptian army is standing in the middle of the Red Sea and God releases the water and wipes out the entire Egyptian army. Throughout the entire story of Moses and the entire Exodus, God is doing the unexpected. He's reminding us that he's always working. He's reminding Moses that he is always working. Every step of the way, God is working in Moses' life. 
even when Moses didn't feel it, even when Moses didn't see it, God was still working. From Moses' birth to the 40 years in the desert to calling him to free God's people to wiping out the Egyptian army, God was doing the unexpected. He was working out his plan. He was working out his will on his time in Moses' life. I love the story of Moses, how it exemplifies the unexpected, how God does the unexpected. And, and for most of you, you've probably asked the question, like, what do I mean by the unexpected? Like, how is God, like, what, what do you mean by God's going to do the unexpected? What I want you to understand about Moses' life, that God doesn't just do the unexpected in the sense that it's a plot twist in the story. No, what I want you to understand about when I say God is going to do the unexpected in Moses' life, he's going to do the unexpected in your life, is the fact that God is showing his faithfulness, reminding Moses of his faithfulness time and time again. Showing Moses through his birth, through the 40 years in the desert, through freeing, calling him to free God's people, God is saying, Moses, I am faithful and I love you. One of the greatest things about scripture is that it's not just individual stories, but that it's all these stories are telling one big story of, of, of God's love and God's faithfulness. And I love the story of Moses and, and especially the Exodus and really the, the imagery that it shows us from the Old Testament that will come hundreds of years later in the New Testament of Jesus dying for us, of God showing his faithfulness, showing his love to us through Jesus. And so I don't know where you are today with your walk in G with Jesus. I don't know where you find yourself today. Maybe you're on a mountaintop or maybe you're at rock bottom. But wherever you are, I want to remind you through the story of Moses that God, every step of the way, was working. Every step of the way, God was telling Moses, I am faithful. And I don't know where you are, but where I'm at in my season of life, in my walk with Jesus, there was nothing more this week that I needed to hear than God saying, Matthew, I am faithful. Even when you don't see it, even when you don't feel it, I am working. Let us pray. God, I'm so thankful for who you are. And, and how you share your story uh, through scripture with us and how we have so much access to that. And so God, I pray that, that we would take advantage of that uh, access to scripture, that we just spend time with you. And God, I pray that, that you would just speak to us exactly what we need to hear. God, I'm so thankful for your timing, your will and your way because there's nothing more I needed to hear than for you to say, Matthew, I'm faithful. Don't forget it, I am faithful and I am here and I love you. And so God, I pray that the people in this room will just feel, feel what I felt this week, which is just a father wrapping his arms around a son, a daughter, and saying, God, I'm faithful. And so God, I pray that, that we are faithful towards you, that we would follow you, that we would trust you in every season of our life, whether that's a mountaintop or rock bottom. And so God, I pray that you would continue to work here. And as we take communion, God, I pray that, that we're reminded of your faithfulness, not just where we are today and in life's obstacles, but 
God, I pray that we're reminded of your faithfulness when you sent Jesus, that we were lost, we, we were away from relationship with you because of what sin did. And God, you sent your son to restore that relationship, a way back to you. God, you didn't leave us where we were, but you were faithful and you sent your son. God, I pray that we reflect on that in these times. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's take communion together. Well, thanks again for tuning in. I hope that message encouraged you to love, live, and lead like Jesus, to become a disciple that makes more disciples. That is why Fern Creek Christian Church exists. Hey, while you're already on your mobile device, why don't you go to Apple Store or Google Play and download the Fern Creek Christian Church app today. On the app, you'll be able to see other podcasts we have, just like this one. You'll be able to stay up to date on Fern Creek Christian Church news and announcements, and you'll see events and the church calendar throughout the year. Man, you need to download this app today. I'm serious. Go do it. Hey, I want to take a second to invite you to worship with us on Sunday mornings, either online or in person. We have three services, one at 845 that we call our homecoming service. That features more hymns and southern gospel music. But then we also have two contemporary services at 10 and 1115. If you would like to give to the ministry happening here at Fern Creek, I want you to go online to our website, www.ferncreekcc.org and click on the big giving tab you'll see on our main page. If you would like to talk more about the message you just heard or you would like to pray with somebody, call us at 502-239-9300. Again, that's 502-239-9300 or email us at office at ferncreekcc.org. Well, if you're not already a member at Fern Creek Christian Church, we want this place to become your home. So with that, hope you have a blessed rest of your week. Grace, peace. See you next time, church.